Hey, Rockheads. This is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Oh, yeah. Just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this. We just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. Net Rocks, episode 1312, with guests David Fowler and Damian Edwards. Recorded Wednesday, June 8th, 2016. Hey, guess what? It's .NET Rocks. We're in Oslo, and I can almost talk. Almost talk, but I can see. I see why you have your medicine with you. I have uh, my medicine. It's the. It has the mark of the maker on it. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and that mark of the maker will soothe your voice. Yes, it does. I think I'll take a little sip right, right now. There you go. Ah, now my voice is much better. It's even better. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Drink more. We are in the fishbowl. This is the first of our shows recorded from NDC 2016. Yep, and we're coming out in sequence for this show. It gets weird after this. Sorry It's weird that. after this, but yeah. uh, Damien's here, David's here. We're going to have a good time with them. But first, it's Better Know Framework. Awesome. And the boys are bobbing their heads to the music they cannot hear. It's really great. <laughs> should take a picture of this. It's good. All right, buddy, what do you got? All right. Well, uh, my friend and fellow AppVNext developer Robert Freiberg sent, oh, yeah. in, sent in this one. This is uh, an in-memory database for .NET. And, of course, you can go to 1312.pwop.me. Or just origodb.com. That's O-R-I-G-O-D-B.com. Uh, it's an in-memory database for .NET. So in, this is what they say. In-memory technology is not just the latest buzz. It's spreading fast and is predicted to be highly disruptive. The first version of Oracle ran on a PDP-11 with 128K of RAM. The amount of available RAM is constantly increasing, with commodity servers approaching the one terabyte mark, enough to hold 99% of all OLTP databases in memory. The traditional RDBMS architecture and the relational model along with it are now obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but, but uh, Robert seems to get a lot of use out of it and he uses it in... Because, uh, you know, SQL Server, if you give it a terabyte of RAM... It's all in RAM. It ends up caching everything yeah, anyway, exactly. right? Like, but I'm with you. Yeah. It's a little lighter weight. It's, you know, there's not as much ceremony. Like, there's some merits to trying to go to closer up stores for your apps. But that's right. the whole NoSQL thing. And there's a few features they highlight on their website. Bring your own data model. So, OrigoDB data models, commands, and queries are written in C-sharp with runtime access to the entire mono.net class library. Mm. Create your own domain-specific model or go with a generic one. That's interesting. 
not just .NET. The Origo DB server REST API uses the widely supported JSON format, allowing nice. access from virtually any platform. Use the native .NET client for optimal performance and the full set of features. Both interfaces support ad hoc queries using the powerful link syntax. So you can sort of see how, you know, that could be attractive. That has an appeal. And I see Damien better. and David kind of going, huh. I had that idea. I swear. Like, you did? You think you'd write ago. some code. Two I don't weeks know what ago. you do with your time. Everyone <laughs> told me that it was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just do this. And Thanks. this guy's got it before oh me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Story of my life, actually. All right. So yeah, There's it, power to actually writing the code. <laughs> So that's what I got, Richard. Who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 1216, the one we did with one Damien Edwards, where we talked about uh, ASP.NET vNext, or it was still called that. Right. And uh, where that was going, now it's November of 2015, just not that long ago, really. Mm -hmm. And Stuart Robertson said this, the steps that Microsoft are taking to go cross-platform and open source are remarkable. I find it really cool that I can now, for example, set up an ASP.NET project on my Windows laptop and then open, work on, build, and run the same project on my Linux workstation without doing anything more complex than running a DNU restore command to fetch the package dependencies. On my Linux workstation? On his Linux workstation. My Linux workstation. That's that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, a bit of a saddest, but okay. Okay. Uh, What's more, with Visual Studio Code, my dev environment can be exactly mirrored across both platforms, too. Mm. You know what? I like Visual Studio Code, mm. but it is not an exact mirror of Visual Studio. So mm. a little hyperbole there, Stuart, but I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, it I, is cool. I like code cool. for just getting in and editing a file, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to open a solution. I just want to edit a file. Uh, I'm nowhere near fashionable enough to own a Mac. Yeah, and you just don't want to waste that much money either. You run <laughs> Linux. I mean, we know who you are, Stuart. Uh, I love this commentary. It's awesome. <laughs> but I trust that if I were, it would just build and run there just the same. Yeah. It truly is a brave new world. Hmm. Yes, awesome. it is. And a couple of the guys responsible for that brave new world are sitting across from us. Right. So, Stuart, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com via any of our social media. We publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there, we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We cache them in memory. Nice. All right. Let me uh, officially introduce Damien and David. Uh, first, Damien Edwards. He's Aussie at ASPNetGuy on Twitter and Microsoft USA, though not speaking for Microsoft all the time anyway. Lover of craft beer, espresso, fine watches, the Seahawks, and cricket. That sounds like me. But what's your real title, though? Oh, you're going to make me say my Come real on, title. Come on, what's your title? Principal Program Manager Manager. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say it. Say manager again. <laughs> manager, manager, manager. From the Department of Redundancy Department. Uh, David Fowler is a software developer at Microsoft on the ASP.NET team, also the creator of SignalR. Dude, fist pump for that. Boom. You're awesome. <laughs> and uh, ASP.NET Core Architect. Welcome, guys. Hey, you. these guys were both in on SignalR, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You both were. Thank you for that. It's, it's awesome. And by the way, um, I, you know, I got a HoloLens, and Ooh. I've been working on the HoloLens. Yeah, actually, there's one right there. No. It's, it's in the box. Absolutely, it's, it's in the, the box. box. That's, that's awesome. for Richard. Richard box. got one. I got one. Richard just got his about a half an hour ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's still in the box. But anyway, so, you Wait, know. Wait, is this all real right now? Or are we totally. All, do we all have whole lenses on? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That would be Hold interesting. On. 
<laughs> For those who didn't see, David just did the pinch gesture. <laughs> Isn't that, is that um, the old kids in the hall, I'm crushing your head I'm gesture? Crushing, exactly. I crush you. <laughs> um, so the HoloLens, uh, you know, has a bit of a, it's kind of hard to get networking going with that. And there's a Holo Toolkit, which will be another better know framework at another time. Uh, that has a networking class, but um, I was hoping SignalR would work on it, but it requires .NET 3.5, I think. Uh, there's a SignalR client. So there's SignalR for, for 2.0. Yes. Well, yes. For, for, well, it is a PCL, and so yes. it should work. Uh, what you need is for it to work in UWP. UWP, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the SignalR 2.2.1 release that, never that we released. Have, haven't released yet, that we have sitting there waiting. Until um, we can get time to verify it. All right, you and me, we're going to talk yeah. after. We'll, we'll get this going. <laughs> well, this is what's I fun think, about being a conference. Because I think SignalR is a great solution for HoloLens for okay. connectivity. Ooh. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. All right, anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about what the heck are you guys doing over there at Microsoft on this ASP.NET and .NET framework. What did you do to us? <laughs> what did we do? We you packed the house last session. I, yeah, we yeah, just got full. off stage, yeah. right? And um, it was the probably the biggest crowd we've ever had. Awesome. That I've ever had at NDC. It was like World War Z, where you had the zombies like climbing, climbing on top of each other. <laughs> uh, like, trying or, to get or like into that the park a few blocks away. The sculpture. The, the sculpture, sculpture park. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. Yeah. People so there on. were piles of Norwegians in your <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, and were they carrying torches or were they genuinely cool? No, no, they were genuinely cool. Great. No, it was good. We've. I think the reality is that we're seeing some of the side effects um, of being more open. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think a lot of the times I can you know, say honestly that there's been times like this internally at Microsoft before yeah. where we've had to make you know, course corrections or adjustments before right. the product is finalized. Um, and only a few times have they leaked into the public. Yeah. So the last big one I remember was Visual Studio 2010 where mm. we did a beta and I think the RC had been announced and then they it was paused, just too slow and it was just yeah. too slow it was a, i remember and someone it, making the call yep. and i was i was doing content planning for the 2010 launch yep. in vegas and suddenly it's like you need to bump out a month yep. we're like we got to do what yep. <laughs> and that was and that was big inside microsoft as well obviously oh, that yeah. was a really was big impact but you had a good band I had a very good band. I had your band. That's that right. was awesome. That was a heck of a show. So, so that, that's the last big one I remember that was public. But now that we're all open source, um, yeah. you know, sometimes things change. Um, sometimes for, and, and they're for different reasons. So yeah. Some things change this time that were technical. Some of them were probably fair to say somewhat political. And some of them were just business. Some of them, you know, we acquired a whole company that's famous for doing stuff in .NET. Like so we acquired Xamarin. And so the right. real question is, if you hadn't done this, yes. what would the fallout have been down the road? Now, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. Um, but what was the... I mean, I'm like, let's reverse it then. Mm -hmm. What did you do and what, what kind of things would that have prevented? So we built DNX, right? Right. And DNX was, in a lot of ways, I think it's fair to say, very focused on our scenarios. It was focused on the scenarios that the web team cared about. Server. A, you know, server yeah. scenarios, ASP.NET. Yep. Um, and DNX is an acronym for one of these things. It was an acronym for .NET, .NET something. Execution environment. Yep. Execution, cross-platform. <laughs> X doesn't mean anything, so I we chose see. X. Yep. I see. Um, and we said, oh, you can interpret what X means. It's cross-platform. Ah. It's, it's execution <laughs> environment. Whatever. Yeah. I think, I think we officially said execution environment. That's when you know it's a real acronym. When it really doesn't actually match up to Ma the words exactly. and make any sense at all, <laughs> yeah. then you know you've nailed it. And so you know, we basically built an alternate .NET app model. 
right. um, that didn't come um, you know, from the quote-unquote.net group. Oh, um, at that point, you know, the ASP.NET team was still in Azure. You were obviously, we were incredibly closely with the .NET team. Yeah. Um, but we built a thing that, we, that, that was suiting the requirements that we had been, um, you know, that had been blessed and you know, going cross-platform, we're going to run right. Mac and Linux, and yada, yada, yada. To do that, it has to kind of be to be a console app. So yeah, ASP.NET right. apps are now console apps, yep. yeah. which they weren't previously. Um, and that point, if you squint, it got confusing. Like in file new in RC1, you would go into Visual Studio and it would say ASP.NET console application. That was the mm. best. That was and the best. people were kind of like, what the? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. So it seemed, it seemed a little fragmented. It seemed then. a little fragmented. Yeah. And like we fragmented ourselves. And that's not the first time you guys did that, too. You think about what happened to XAML with Silverlight and yes. WinPhone 8. It's like the fragmentation of XAML got really hairy for yeah, a while. There. I remember that one. Yeah. And again, if you were to look back at the reasons why that happened, I'm, yeah. I'm sure we're not always proud of, you know, like crystal ball. Go, or we don't have a crystal ball, so yeah, we can't yeah. see in the future. You look back in retrospect and you go, well, given our time again, knowing what we know now, maybe yeah. we would have done something differently. So basically, you guys had to sync with the .NET team. Is that what happened? Yeah, basically, basically? at that point, we took a step back. We met. That, and it was late. So it was already after RC1 had been scheduled to ship. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you're yeah, totally honest. Yeah. This happened in October. I think the decision was made in late October yeah. after the MVP summit. And we were shipping at the Connect event in yep. New York yeah. in early November. Yeah. yeah. And it was, so it was like, well, we can't not ship RC1 because we had customers who were ready to run on a sure. go live supported version of ASP.NET Core. Yeah. Right. So we don't want to let those customers down but we had to make this pivot. And so we were left in this unfortunate situation where we had to put an RC out that was supported, and it still is. Oh, well, no, RC2 is out now, so it's not. Right. Um, <laughs> and, but while also simultaneously announcing that there were going to be some changes. Big changes. Some and, changes. And let me tell you, the betas of ASP.NET 5 weren't a cakewalk either, my friends. They were well, awesome. They were, they were awesome. They were what betas. Do you, what do you mean? They were betas, yeah. They were yeah. betas. They were we did eight, eight they betas. Were yeah. they, they were alphas. They were alphas. So because we built People. humanitarian toolbox already, off going back to, to beta. Yeah. What a rose by four. any other name. <laughs> yeah. All I know is we're all still alive, but there are a few bodies behind us. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I've used other frameworks, beta to beta, where thing breaks. I mean, you expect that. I mean, right. yes. But then when it happens at an RC2, you're like. That's annoying. And I agree. Totally there's annoying. breaks and there's pivots. Yeah, yes. we pivoted. We pivoted three or four times. I think that's, but, that's the fatigue people but, see. But I think the thing we really need to remember here is that you did it for a good reason. And yeah. Now, and now the result of that is a unified .dot net. And, and, and let's be clear, we haven't even released one O yet. Right. So like all this has happened before we did one O, which yep. is much better than, than the alternative, which happens yep. to a lot of other frameworks. Angular one and Angular, Angular 1. two are completely different. ASP one, ASP.net ASP one and one point one. So let, let, that's actually interesting. That was up. tough. ASP.net yeah. one point one and ASP.net two. Yeah. ASP.net two was the largest ASP.net release we have Huge. ever done. Right? Yeah. And well, the .NET framework moved a lot in lot that as well. too. And what did we yeah. do? We didn't upgrade all the controls that were in ASP.NET nope. 1.1. We created new controls. Yes. So if you had a grid, it was a data grid first in 1.1, and you did data source dot equals blah, and data source, and then data bind on your control. And then we came and said, oh, two-way data binding in ASP.NET 2. Rewrite every single page. <laughs> grid view. If because there were new controls. Grid well, view, list view. But it was backward compatible, though. I mean, it was backward compatible. Yeah, it was. Works, yeah. But you don't have that pivot to. happened internally to the .NET framework, but yeah. it still happened. Mm -hmm. And we did it with WinForms and WPF. Yep. Exactly right. the same thing. Sure. It's just that it happened inside the .NET framework. I had some customers that persisted those one one apps for a long some time. For good reason. Yeah. Some people don't seem to care that the old thing is still there. Because yeah. we'll say ASP.NET Core is a brand new thing. Don't port your stuff. Yeah. Right. If you're, you know, have a big app, don't port it. Yeah. People will go, but it's new and shiny. Five I, I is better than four. Yeah, five. I have to port right now. I have to port. <laughs> and then, like, we renamed it from five like, to one because of that reason. Yeah, and we went, 
we're not ready yet, not for everything, like but something. putting some a things. chocolate cake in front of a diabetic yeah. and saying, don't eat that, <laughs> okay? But yep. I want you to just sit there and look at it. Is, and is, we're going to publish a recipe, and we're going to show you how to make it and, and how to eat it right, but don't eat it, okay? <laughs> just don't. I promise yeah. you don't want it yet, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it has happened before, and I think this time, as you, I, I think you, you remarked before the show, people are excited. Like, this is a yeah. whole new era of .NET, well, and yeah. people are rightfully have a lot of energy about it, and so, you know, people get disappointed when things don't work out yeah. the way they yeah. wanted. It's the open the era. Time. It's the open era, the, right? and, and I would rather people be happy. Yes. And then if they're not happy, I'd rather they be angry than indifferent. And that's so, actually... It, that's the fact the, that there's so much passion around it, yes. right? The fact that yeah. Twitter got so mean for a while there. Twitter's mm. good at that. Yeah, Twitter yeah. is good at that. It can go so real nasty. the weird nasty. part about Twitter is we now have random people on Twitter, Facebook, Slack, whatever else is there, Snapchat, you know, whatever. Gitter. And trying to, trying to convey the company's me message to, like, to say, like, you know, we're trying to do X. And we're trying to unify our messages via the blog, and right. people get desperate pieces of, of information from different people. Yep. So his boss is trying to get us to kind of say, you know, uh, not one thing, but but to to keep in line with the actual message from right. the company. Mm. And it's hard because people are honest on Twitter. Yes. People say stuff like, "Oh, you know, we shouldn't have done that," but and then people are going, "What do you mean?" And then they, they screenshot Twitter and say. David said X. So it's happening. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I didn't mean to say that. Like that and but it didn't come out right. If, so if you watch the stand-ups, there's nothing you have said in Twitter not, you yeah. have not said in the stand-ups. And that's not everyone what he watches the stand-ups. That's that's what he said too. So yeah. like the stand-ups we probably get we get a couple hundred, three hundred live usually right. watching, and then we get maybe five, six thousand watch and within that. They're week. up forever. And they're up forever. They're up forever, yeah. yeah. And I think the most ones maybe got ten thousand views. Yeah. But we have to I think we forget. Like .NET has millions. Yeah. Of customers, oh yeah, millions, yeah, and those are we have to think of all of them, yeah. When we when we do these things, and sometimes you know those customers aren't on Twitter, they're not on, they're not watching the standups, mm -hmm. they're not even reading the blogs a lot of the time, um, and so we have to make decisions based on all of those things, and sometimes things change, and right, we we went full, we ran downhill full speed for Good. three years, <laughs> yeah, and then we tripped in November a little bit. That's probably fair to say. I want to say something a bit controversial, but it's not controversial. It's not controversial. It's kind of controversial. It's not, it's not. Open source is open source, right? Yeah. But we do own the product. So I've seen You still ship a version exactly. of the product, without a doubt. We have customers, you know, pay us money to, for support and stuff. Yep. And it is open source, but we don't make decisions based on a few people on, on GitHub. This, we right. have to think of everything. And right. I think that's the big issue with yeah. this open model is it... Help! It's very easy to emphasize the squeaky wheels. Yeah, squeaky mm -hmm. wheels are right there. They're even offering you code. Yeah, so people are input, but they don't get to decide all the time. We no. we do take feedback. Th right? to be, to be there fair, is still a business here. To be yeah. fair, I think um, as a slight rebuttal to that as yeah. well, because I've heard this feedback is that that I think a lot of people appreciate that and understand that, but perhaps don't see us publishing Same the things. outcome yeah. and the thought processes that mm. lead us to those decisions. Yeah. And so we've had criticisms of too many closed door, closed door decisions. decisions. Yeah. And you know and I, I we're guilty of that and you know Yeah, but I don't think you actually close the door. Well, no. I've I have definitely watched some of the stand-up mm -hmm. where it's like you two had a conversation at the water cooler today, didn't you? Yes. Because yes. you're just playing off each other yes. going through something, yes. right? But that's normal 
work life. Yes. I mean, that's reality. We don't go into a meeting having none of us ever spoken to each other. Right. Just exactly. Talk. That's not reality. Right. I'd like to move on. Before we talk about Kestrel, though, the last time we talked to you, Damien, I think was at the MVP Summit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was November. So, yep, yep. And, and you were talking about um, Perf. Yes. And how you were, you guys had a lab, and, yep. you, and we, then we talked to Hunter about it, too. Yes. And so back then you were saying, you know, there's this Java thing that, and I can't remember Netty. what it was, Netty, Netty yeah. that is kicking our butts in yep. terms of performance, and we really got to get, so how did that turn out? Um, it's a work in progress. And so back then, I think when I last spoke to you, we were just on the, I think we were at 700,000 requests per second on our, on our rig. And then within a couple of weeks of that, we hit 1 million, which yep. was a kind of our, that was what we were targeting mm-hmm. as our first a goal. Um, Nettie was doing 2.3 million or something ridiculous oh, okay. on our server there. Um, we have a new Perf Lab, which is run by the actual Perf team, not just a bunch of hoo-hahs in the <laughs> office, not just, uh, not not just Damien, you, not just me. And you know who you are, who right. has. That's me. I'm the hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> we actually have the real Perf people um, work with Big Iron, as yeah. we call it, right? right. Yeah. Um, 48-core servers with ridiculous you know, dual 10 Great. gigabit cards. Tech and power hardware. Tech and power hardware, as we call it, right? Great. Equivalent. And um, that, we've just broken 5 million requests per second. Oh, wow. my God. That's awesome. Um <laughs> So that's Come pretty on. cool. Uh, it's fast. And that's our goal for RTM. So we're shipping RTM into this month. Our goal is to, is to basically hit 5 million requests per second for the plain text benchmark on Tech and Power on their hardware by the end of this month. Uh, looks like we're going to hit that okay. Um, Netty on our hardware does 8 million. Oh. Okay, so that's fine. Oh. We, di- we didn't expect to hit Netty Ooh. in version 1. That's different. Never mind. Yeah, Burn. So <laughs> we didn't, as I said, work in progress. We're not going to finish, right? I mean... Um, Netty has been around for a while, and we knew we weren't going to. We, we 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 knew we weren't going to catch Netty in one mm. Um They're a, you know a fantastic inspiration, and they're a, a fantastic framework. So we're very happy that we're going to hit that number for RTM, and yeah. we'll continue to work very hard. We're yeah. going to talk later today, yeah. where we're going to go into the crazy things we have to do to make a server that fast in .NET, which is right. kind of cool. Don't use .NET. Kind of an un- <laughs> kind of an unreasonable thing too. Right? I mean, I've definitely played the perf game long enough to know oh. when, when, we're, when all we're doing is competing for benchmarks goofy things start to happen it's mm. great mm. there's some really cool stuff he says great I cringe why <laughs> because you see pull requests that come in and you're like oh my god I can't read this code what are we doing <laughs> what if this what guy we, dies what, is, what, <laughs> what if this guy dies and we have no comments and there's like we don't know what, what this make, thing is make them put comments on it uh huh that'll help make them do a powerpoint deck for every comment <laughs> I like that whole I'm making developers do things thing that's a great idea alright we have about seven minutes before the break so let's give a, a just a quick uh, elevator pitch about what Kestrel is and, and sure. why it exists. So, as part of taking ASP.NET Core cross-platform, we had to build a web server because ASP.NET traditionally is run on IIS and IIS is part of Windows. But right? what about the one that runs on Owen? So, we never built a server that runs on Owen. No, but you built an ASP.NET that runs on Owen. No, we built an ASP.NET that runs on Owen, but Owen isn't a server. Owen is a right. contract that allows any server, mm. but we never actually built a server, a production server oh, okay. for Owen. Other, other, uh, so we, we, we contributed to the Owen effort. We built Katana um, that sort of played in that arena, mm-hmm. and we had frameworks like SignalR and WebAPI and Katana that would allow you to run things on top of an Owen compliant server. And okay. then we built an Owen host for system web. So you could run Owen on IS. It should be Sys2. And it should be Sys directly. Yeah. All right, right, yeah. But that's all Windows. Okay. And so um, there was one called Kayak. Kayak, yeah. Which Lou wrote. Which no, no, that was... Um, oh, wasn't it? Firefly. Oh, Firefly. There was one called Kayak, which someone else wrote. More insects, animals. And then Firefly <laughs> was what Lou wrote. Yep. And that was a cross-platform .NET server, but it wasn't a particularly good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was never intended to be you know, production ready or anything. It was mm-hmm. an experiment. So then when we did ASP.NET Core and we decided to go cross plat 
in beta 8, we decided we had to do a proper cross-platform production server. Yeah. So thus Kestrel was born. Okay. We used LibUV, which is a native um, component that Node.js uses mm -hmm. to do networking and file I.O. and asynchronous management and concurrency and stuff. So we use that. So we get the nice concurrent and asynchronous I.O. on all platforms. And then we basically p-invoke into it from C-sharp. So Kestrel is written in C-sharp, but all the networking is managed by LibUV. Mm. And we call into LibUV to say, please, yes, accept that socket, give it to me now, write bytes, read bytes, blah, blah, blah. It's actually a very small piece of code, but it does a lot of stuff. LibUV? Yeah. No, no, no our, our, oh. our code. Kestrel is very small. It parses True. HTTP, does one thing, but it's very tight code. Yeah. This kind of but, it, but it's reliant on this other thing to do the sort of the front end, you know, the answering the door the kind bytes. of thing. It, do the yeah. sockets and the bytes. The byte pump. Yeah. Yeah. And it's on GitHub. It is yeah. all on GitHub. Yeah. And it, it's part of the... It's part of ASP.NET Core. ASP.NET Core. Yep. And so the, the goal is that it, you have this version of .NET that runs on everything, and it includes a web server. It includes a web server, assuming that uh, you can run LibUV on that. Now, because Node has been ported to run almost everywhere, right. we get that benefit of yeah. that. Well, they've made LibUV run on Raspberry Pis and on sure, even right. smaller Arduinos and God knows what else. And so if there's a build of LibUV, then it's just up to us to do right. the work to make it to .NET work there. So. And I see David's contributions to Kestrel, but I don't see any from you. Uh, I have contributed. Oh, there it is. Way down Date there. Value, yeah. Date, Date, header. Three value, Date header value manager. Nice. Three whole commits. And it's been completely rewritten a few times since then. Yeah. <laughs> but the basic architecture is the same. Okay. Because guess what? Writing out dates from .NET isn't fast when you're trying to do 5 million requests per second. Yeah, funny. And the HTTP spec requires that you print a date header when right. you reply. That is accurate enough. That is accurate enough to do things like cache invalidation. Right. And, but if you just try and format a date every microsecond, you will get burned. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you know this? Oh, we found out. Let me tell you how I know this. All the stories, the profilers, the profiles. Um, um, yeah. Well, but it's also, it's kind of luxurious to, to tackle an HTTP pump from scratch again. So building a trivial HTTP server is very easy. easy. Very easy. Building a good HTTP server is one of the hardest things you can it's do. It's really interesting, isn't it? Really difficult to build good, a really good one. secure, yeah. fast, stable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, you know, this, it's like never write another SSL library ever again, right? Like it's one of those things. And we yes. haven't done that, to be clear. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't want any part <laughs> no of that. No custom crypto. No, no crypto. Custom, custom no crypto, crypto, crypto. No, 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 no. <laughs> we let the experts do that. But yeah, actually getting it right is so much testing. There's so oh, many details. Oh my gosh. And then, it's, it, it, then there's the spec. And then there's, there's what actual browsers yes, do. Yes, what yeah. different clients do. There's a difference between the spec behavior yes. and the expected behavior. We've had many discussions about, should we just use this encoding or should we actually, well, apps generally expect, what does IE5 do? What are, da, 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 all those type of yeah. things, right? Oh. It's fun. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Oh, it must be that happy time again. You got it. It's time to announce the performance of my last mid-show joke. It was 5 million laughs per second. Wow. Oh, wait. That was RC2. Yeah, we're going to recall that. So <laughs> reset the laughs oh, to zero. They pivoted on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, yes, cross-platform mobile development has been democratized for .NET developers now that Xamarin and all of its tooling is free for Visual Studio developers. But... Hold on, before you get started on your dream cross-plat app, you don't want to reinvent the wheel with UI components. Enter Telerik UI for Xamarin. All the UI polish you need for your Xamarin apps out of the box for iOS, Android, and Xamarin forms. 
We're talking complex graphs, charts, gauges, and loads of other UI elements, all ready for you to use from the comforts of C-sharp. Grab a free trial of UI for Xamarin, or use all of Telerik DevCraft, the most complete .NET UI tool set for any app, web, desktop, or mobile. Get started today at Telerik.com slash Xamarin-UI or Telerik.com slash DevCraft. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Anders Lundberg. Oh, congratulations, Anders. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Round of applause for you. You got some clappers. I got the clappers yeah. here. Yeah. These clappers sweet. are transatlantic clappers. Yes. They get right around. There. That's yes. a good Scandahoovian name, Lundberg. Lundberg. Yeah, absolutely. And Anders just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. That's a big pile of awesome from Telerik. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guests, Damien, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? Well, I just bought a new house, so yep. I'm settling in there. So you got lots of money to spend on lots of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Houses are expensive. Uh, house poor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I started, I started dabbling with smart home stuff. Okay. So I got a Samsung Smart Things. Yeah. And I got a couple of door, you know, uh, entrance sensor things and a water mm -hmm. leak sensor. And I got a Z-Wave door lock with a keypad, mm -hmm. uh, which is a bit of fun. And I'm going to put a garage door sensor on and stuff. It's okay. I'm, fine. I'm having a bit of trouble. It's a three-story house. It's pretty big. So I'm having a bit of trouble with um, range. And like yep. sensors will just kind of randomly drop out and it'll work brilliantly one second and then it'll just be out of connect. So I might have to get some repeaters. But I'm also really interested in the, the uh, Ubiquity Networks yep. gear. Um, I think my little Netgear consumer thing's not going to cut it in my new house. So they're releasing consumer stuff in summer this year that they've announced. And these are high-end oh. Wi-Fi gear. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're, they're a recent company. They're doing gangbusters mm -hmm. in commercial uh, Wi-Fi gear. But, and now but they're setting up stuff. a real mesh in your house is a bit overkill. Well, they <laughs> do make it very, yeah. very simple. I'm with you. But, you know, a pair of WRT 1900 ACs. No, I gave up on those. I have one sitting in a closet the big at one? home. Yeah. Yeah, so, one's got a lot uh, of clout, man. It does when it works. Mine just kept hanging. Oh, take, take it back. You I got did, a bad, you got I, a bad one. Mm. I gave up. I, I lost patience. You got another bad one. Lost patience. Yeah. <laughs> and so wow. sitting in my cupboard, two hundred dollars worth of router. Yeah, nothing. yeah. Give it um, to a friend or give so it to an I'll enemy. I think <laughs> I'll wait for the uh, for the the new uh, new stuff to come out from them. It's and in the all. drawer, of broken so dreams. I, yeah, I bought a pair. Of, <laughs> I bought a pair of them, set them up, and then realized I only needed one to cover my house, which is a big house. Yeah. But it, yeah, when you get a good one. They, you get a good one, you, you, yeah. But the custom firmware thing, like... A, a I didn't ever did that. <sighs> DDWRT was awesome, and they've never built the same yeah. for that yeah. big router, yeah. which is a damn shame, because I would turn that thing up <laughs> so that I could, I could log on to my Wi-Fi from like four blocks away. Doesn't that <laughs> like violate the FCC rules or but something? But I'm a Canadian. I don't care about your FCC. FCC, what is this thing? How close are you to the border? <laughs> close enough that you could see my Wi-Fi. No. So back in the days of CB radio, which <laughs> was in the 80s and stuff, right? 70s and 80s. Uh, there was a, a thing called a linear amplifier that you could put on your base station that just cranked up the power. And it's totally <laughs> illegal. And my friend, uh, I won't name him, 
He has he still has this old tube linear amplifier and its nickname is Grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn on Grandpa. When he when he holds that thing down, like nobody for miles can <laughs> hear anything. Do, except ba- do like him. birds just drop out of the sky yeah. and stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Burst into flames. It just completely d- goes over everything. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Fowler, five thousand dollars. What would you spend it on? Hmm, maybe an Alexa. Is that like a couple hundred bucks? Yeah, no, three hundred dollars. Maybe I get one for every single room in the house. Closet. Yeah. It doesn't do multi-room very well. Apparently, maybe Google Home and Alexa. Yeah, Ma- mix it up. Ma- make them talk to each other. Do they there interrupt? you go. Do they mm. argue mm, with I each don't other? Know. Yeah, I bought a house too. So <laughs> you, you, you don't want to buy a Hololens because Richard's going to sell his right. If I, I could so. shop online, maybe and <laughs> put my couch so. like and. Put it right there. I'm really bullish about HoloLens, actually. I'm totally yeah. with you. I really like the idea that at some point we will do a HoloLens.netRocks where we're all wearing HoloLenses. Absolutely. You know, doing the holoportation. <laughs> and, we'll, yeah. and we'll publish the video. And we'll too. publish the video yeah. of it. No, yeah. I think there's be big fun. opportunities in HoloLens. I'm, if it's not HoloLens, it'll be something else. But I think, the, the, I think the visor is the only thing I've seen that could actually supplant the smartphone. Yeah. Mm. Because when smartphones were brand new, you know, the 2006, yep. 2007 time span, that was when you handed one to somebody and you just lost them. Like, they just yep. went away. Yeah. Like all propriety went out the door. Like, all of the social norms went out the door. I had this device and it has me. Mm-hmm. And HoloLens does that. You get one on someone and they're like, oh. yeah, they're and like, then they're gone. Wow. Yeah. They're yeah. just gone, right? And, it, you know, people say, well, it's too dorky. It's like, look. The smartphone was too dorky, too, mm. and you didn't care. Was, Headsets yeah. were dorky. Cell phones right. were dorky. All those but things then, were dorky. But Giant then, cell phones. Then again, you know, the applications for HoloLens aren't social applications. You're not going to walk down the street wearing them. You're no. not, not going to go to, maybe, maybe you'll go to HoloLens parties, but you're not going to be wearing them around the office. People are not going to be walking around in a daze going, whoa. I think there'll be a know? progression here, like, like most new tech. I think the, yeah. I, I'm very bullish about the applications for collaborative Me work and for remote work yeah. and mm-hmm. for like a bunch of people standing around in education and engineering and design mm-hmm. and those type of things. And then as the technology shrinks, and I think the big thing they did right, and I'm just totally talking off the cuff, this is me, my yep. opinions here. The thing they did right was the untethered part yeah. of it. That was the real differentiator. Yes. And when that tech shrinks, which it inevitably will, mm-hmm. and I can look at David wearing his glasses, and that is effectively a HoloLens. Right. right. You know, give it a generation or two. Like, there's yeah. no way Google it Google Glass like, have this and then they can it? So Google Glass had it, but it, was, it didn't have any of the spatial mapping, yeah. spatial it was, audio. It I was know. just it was, a little lens. Yeah, it, was it was just... It, and it was enough different that it hit the uncanny valley, and it wasn't compelling enough that you didn't care. Right, uh, right. So that yeah. and that's sort of the trap. So I guess I've sort of acknowledged having ha- been a glass hole, like done all of those things. Mm-hmm. That no, it's always dorky. It's just that you are so happy with it, you don't care what anybody right. thinks. Right. And I so, see. but wait till it gets into schools. Like wait, I mean, at my yes. my kids' elementary schools now, they have laptops and smart projectors, right. you know, all the great stuff. And then imagine instead of sitting down watching a video. They'll say, okay, class, put on your visor. Yep, we're yep. going to And then everyone Pichu. will just be in a jungle or they'll yeah. be on some ancient ship or exactly. they'll be underwater. And then like that that's how you'll teach. And let's you'll experience grow up. let's experience history. Let's, let's not connect read about with our it. sister city. Right. Yeah. And let's uh, join to the class in Japan and talk you, to them. There was stuff. a there was a Microsoft video way back when that was that sort of sister city thing or shared classroom thing, but it was like a glass wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't and and holoportation is actually better than that. It is. Because yeah. now it's there's no wall. No. They're in the room with you, and you you walk around and interact. Yeah, and then imagine you've got a glove and you've got tactile feedback, Mm, whatever, or an implant. Like you can go. I am super bullish. I don't know what the timelines are because no one can predict that predict that stuff. No, but I think they'll find a niche. 
and then I think it'll become more prevalent as the tech gets better, and we just need the apps. We and need I, the apps. I found a way to prolong the battery life of <laughs> HoloLens, and that's this. And I'm holding this little, huge, uh, you know, uh, battery charger for cell phones. This is the kind of thing that wow. can charge. Things a brick. And I million I have a twenty-five thousand one. Yeah. In my bag. Yeah. So you got a tw <laughs> ten thousand, twenty-five thousand milliamp hour. Yep. And you put that in your pocket and a USB cable up to the Hololens, That's awesome. and you can walk around all day. Really? Is that yeah. healthy in your pocket? Sure, it's, it's just, just a battery. Heat. It's just heat, right? Yeah, you put your cell phone in your pocket. And it, and, you know, that's true. And then yeah. there's RF. That's just no, I'm, a, I'm big on the cell phone in the pocket, Bluetooth headset on, so you're getting brain cancer, testicular cancer at the same time. That's no, awesome. No, that study <laughs> came out of Australia now. That joke doesn't yeah, land yeah, anymore. Yeah. Uh, yes, that joke still lands just fine. But give, give it a week. It doesn't mean so it's actually I true. I love how much nutritional value or lack thereof there's been in the show already. Forty <laughs> minutes in, forty-one minutes in, and, and we we know what Kestrel is. Yes. yes. Well, why don't we talk about the talk that we just did was talking about how ASP.NET is hosted. Mm, right. And uh, Kestrel is not, not the host. Kestrel is just the server. The app doesn't run on the server. The app includes a server so that it can accept sockets yep. right. and requests and then run them through the pipeline. Yeah. It's very different than IIS. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the host, and the, uh, IIS was both the host and the server. Yes. But they are separate things. And in, a, in a .NET Core and ASP.NET Core, the host is very different to what it had been previously. Mm. And we just did an entire talk where we built... We've, we went through how .NET Core hosts .NET.exe, mm -hmm. which is you know, native code that then finds a core CLR on your hard drive in a relative location to where the .NET.exe was. It's not magic anymore. It's just like, oh, look next to me in the folder marked runtime. Right. Go in yeah. there and look for something that I can boot. Um, and then it says, well, what about my framework? What about system.blah, right? Yep. So we have this Microsoft.NETCore.app, which is the name of the new, it's basically a mini.NET framework, framework, right? Yeah. It's a mini.NET framework, but you can do side-by-side, -side, you can do versioned. And what we did is we built our own shared framework. So instead of Microsoft NetCore app, we built NDC, NDC framework. framework, Spring Preview, Wednesday build, <laughs> cool. CTP1. Cool. <laughs> right? Which turned out was, it was too long. <laughs> for NuGet. Oh. And NuGet didn't like it, so we had to keep trimming like, the tokens <laughs> from it until it would let us yeah. use assembly. So we built our own framework that included NetCore, like yep. the you know, .NetCore, mm. and JSON.NET, Autofac, and Serilog, and MVC, yep. yeah. right? A whole bunch of just random stuff we asked Great. the crowd. And we built a framework, and then we packaged it up, put it on disk in the right place, created a NuGet package that represented it, and then we created an app that used that framework, mm. nice. and it ran. And awesome. then we published the app, and the publish output didn't include the framework, because it's assumed the framework will already be on the server, right? right? That's what a framework is. Yep. And so the app output was like two DLLs. Wow. And then the framework was there. So this is totally unsanctioned, but it was more about... Just demonstrating how the mechanics work right. of hosting, and these things are possible because of the, the way we design stuff. You just think so about things it. are more granular now. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and does that make it easier? I mean, it's obviously more powerful, but does that make it easier or more challenging for developers? Um, so you don't have to do. You don't have to worry about any of the stuff that we've we been struggling for this. But so we broke ASP.NET Core into a bunch of packages, right? There's we have the fish repository on GitHub. There's you no know, configuration. Logging, there's DI, Hosting, there's MVC, there's a bunch Castro. of clusters. Mm. I think we built a bunch of Lego blocks that are very layered and well mm. done, and we have a hard time trying to figure out how we mush things together. What the instructions look like. Yeah. What's the so, booklet look like? Yeah. Know? So we have a, like a really nice framework, but I think we've struggled for the last like few years trying to figure out. You know, you have a layered framework, and some people want some things sometimes, but for the majority of cases, you kind of want the entire stack up front. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so we're trying to figure out, you know, what we do in the long run for having all this on that, but not too much of it. Right. And we have a so set like, of primitives, right, that yeah. we can use to express 
modules. We have NuGet packages. Yep. We have what we call meta packages, meta packages, which are packages that represent other packages. We okay. have frameworks, which are represented by those TFMs that you see in, mm -hmm. the, in the project, project JSON file. And so the, we have these little primitives that we can pivot on. So, well, is this a TFM or is mm. it a package? Is it a meta a package? Is it implied or do you have to express it? And we constantly churn and battle on that to find the right balance. So right now we're at, we, you have to say everything. Right. Isn't bad, but it's just, it's in your face. It's actually very node-ish too, right? Yeah. I mean, the, what I like about that is very configuration as code. I know exactly what goes in. It's, I mean, the yep. whole thing, and I come from the IT side on this as well, yep. right? Like IIS for most devs, magic. Yep. Yeah, right? yeah, there yeah. will be yeah. a server yes. and things will happen. We'll run, right? yeah. And for me as the ops guy, it's like, I've always described IIS as a Swiss Army knife with all the blades out. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I have to That's go right. through this ritual with tools and things to turn off the stuff we're not using. Yeah. So the fact that you've gone completely the other way and said, these are the only things that will exist makes my job you know, on the InfoSec side way easier. easier. Makes, makes it tons easier to figure out what changed between this version and that version. Like, I know it's a lot of ceremony, mm. but it's very clear. It's really declarative. And that, that kind of makes me happy because we've been doing too much voodoo yeah. for too that's, long. That's what, why Node was so popular, wasn't it? Because it was just pure and simple. And then yes. the things you want to add, you add them as you need them. As packages. Yeah. And the difference with Node, I think, was that Node didn't prescribe anything other than that core. Yep. Mm -hmm. Node.exes, 10 megabytes, you run it and you get a socket and an HTTP server mm -hmm. and a file mm -hmm. I.O. abstraction. Console. And nothing else. And after that, mm. it's up to you. And then after that, and the JavaScript standard library, which has math. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. But then you also, now you start standing up templates of, oh, right. okay, well, I'm going to want this and this and that. You know, you start but they didn't come together. from Node. Nope. They came from the Node community. And this is where, you know, we also feared the framework just becoming a beast. Right. Right. And it, there were some times in the past where it was a beast. So I don't know how many pieces we need to be in. We just need, we know it needs to be more than one. Yes. But and I'm sure there's a number that's too large. Right yeah. now, file new project downloads 210 packages. packages. Yeah. Might be a little too that's much. That's a lot. Maybe too granular. <laughs> yeah. Did you get any feedback from the Linux community that was actually helpful? So, yes. But I think in somewhat typical Linux fashion, we didn't get the same feedback from mm. the whole Linux community. When we, went, <laughs> when we talked to companies that used Linux or use Linux, we would often we would say, hey, we're thinking about doing it this way or this way. And one company would say, yeah, you should do it the first way. That sounds great. Lovely. And then you go to the second company, they go, oh, you should do it the second way. That's how we do it. And so I think what we had to land on was a, a happy medium. And yeah. so, for example, we include uh, LibUV in Kestrel, effectively. It's a package oh, yeah. dependency. It's, it's in NuGet. We put LibUV, we build it, because LibUV doesn't have an official binary distribution. Mm -hmm. It's just source code. Mm -hmm. um, and then other people package it up. And so we build it for Windows, for Mac, for various Linux distributions, and we put it in a NuGet package. Yeah. And then Kestrel depends on that, and then we distribute it that way. But uh, So it works everywhere just by default. Whereas some uh, node, for example, actually statically links libuv into the node exe. Right. Uh -huh. It's right in there. But they're yeah. still including it. I mean, it's yeah, very much it's the same approach. Still included. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas sometimes people would rather they install libuv as a system module on Linux and like you know, link it, whatever, file linking from one place to another, yep. and then someone calls load module, file yeah. name, and then the, the platform just figures it out. So for things like OpenSSL, which is what .NET Core uses for all of its crypto on Linux and Mac, Right. Um, that's actually a prereq. And if you actually look at the Mac install instructions, it says go and install OpenSSL via Homebrew, mm -hmm. then go and install .NET Core. And on Linux, the on Debian anyway, the app get package for .NET Core 
depends on the open SSL. So some package. people like it one way, some people like it the right. other. And so, you know, we, we include it, but if you don't want to do it that way, I think our Kestrel code will try I think so too. load module first. first. So if you have it installed so. as a system module at libuv one okay. yep. so something, something, yep. whatever, it'll load that. And if that doesn't work, it'll load it from its local Package. copy. All right. right. So we try and keep everyone happy. As much and as everyone's happy pretty much. Oh, so far. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. We were are, they, are they all equally annoyed? Yes. Because <laughs> you're never going to be exactly right for any one person. We really. were at OSCON and we taught a uh, workshop on ASP.NET Core. And there was one guy in the crowd who had Fedora. Yes. And he was like, I can't get to work. And we're like, we don't what support Fedora. Oh, so okay, Fedora. That's <sighs> next. And then there's some guy who's like, oh, I have Gen 2 or Mint. And then Mint. We, don't, we don't support Mint yet, I guess. And yeah. like, so I mean, yeah. we started with the... CentOS. The distros yeah. that are support on Azure. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then we Obviously. had one, another guy wanted Oracle Linux. Yeah. Oracle so Linux. Oracle yeah. Linux. Because they, you know, they run Oracle and they pay for Oracle Linux support. So we have Red Hat. We have Ubuntu. Ubuntu. We have CentOS. CentOS. And FreeBSD was done by the community. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're working on Alpine, Alpine. we're Fedora, wow. um, but Mint probably works now. Yeah, we have Ubuntu 16 doesn't work yet. We're working on it because yeah. Ubuntu 16 is different to Ubuntu 14. It's pretty crazy, actually. It's crazy. The dependencies are insane. Yeah. So I just heard that um, Azure and, and Apache are now working together. Oh, like Apache okay. Runs oh, on wow. Azure. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Well, I knew there was like a partnership or you know something going on between Apache mm. and Azure, mm. but mm. I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily an implementation. I would presume at some point it would run. I just think it's great that all these everybody's playing nice now. <laughs> some know? guy for the bug saying, "I want a module for Apache for ASP.NET Core," and we were like, "What? Really? what? <laughs> yeah." <laughs> and he was like arguing. He was like, "You know what? I want the module," and we were like. Uh, use mod mod um, mod proxy, and he was like, "No, I want a thing to boot the process, watch it for me, you know, manage it, kill it." And I was just like, "Wow, that so doesn't exist." There, I mean, there isn't a module out there for everything. Apache. Reverse proxies, no one launches the process. There's no process launching module for Apache. Seriously, nope. Wow, interesting. It's pretty rare, actually. Why okay. would you do that? Yeah, that's it's a, yeah. You just well, you, they, you, want they, they want to use Nginx. They want to use Apache. Yeah. They want Apache as the you know answer the door, answer the socket, yeah. and put hand it off to you, and right. there you go. Interesting. And I was like, wow, that's never. I've never heard that before. Okay, it just. It, I got to think on your side. Like life was pretty easy when it was just Windows. Right? Oh my like, gosh, it was so. This is well, an explosion of complexity. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It was much easier comparatively. <laughs> it was much easier. But yeah. Windows is no cakewalk either, right? I mean, right. Windows has this incredible feature, which is every program that ever ran on Windows ever will always forever run on Windows. Yes. I, we, we talked, I don't know if you were even a co-host then, but I talked to Jeff Richter years ago, who is a contractor on the Windows code. I think and he's an employee now. He is. Right? He yeah, works yeah. on Service Fabric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was a contractor. He says, man, you wouldn't believe that if running this app, then yep. do this <laughs> branches in Windows. There wow, are man. so many that have to... Co special code for special apps. Keep it working. I think we had to talk with Dare Abasanjo about the same sort of thing, too. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's one of those things. But it is. I mean, you talk about what are the true sort of genetics of Microsoft, this insanity almost around backward compatibility. If you built it, it will keep running. Mm. It's While the same also, for, well, it's the same for .NET Framework. It's that's the same for .NET Framework. That's what, I was, that's what I was leading, right? Yeah. It's like, when you think about that, you go, yeah, it does. But then we also have to be able to force push updates yeah. by mm -hmm. Microsoft Update to mm -hmm. running apps yep. and have them keep working. And most of the time it works. I mean, it's fair to say most of the time it works. Sometimes yep. we break stuff. One day I woke up from sleeping and Jabber was down. 
and I was like, I didn't do it. I woke up. I was asleep. And I was asleep, it wasn't and me. it was n- nothing happened. And then Azure update hit, and then boom. Moves back. And they were like, oops, mm. we forgot to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, can you fix my <laughs> application for me? So, I mean, that burden carries with it a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so, when we wrote code that runs in the .NET framework, we had all these arcane rules that were perfectly reasonable given the what we just talked about. The fact that it'd be cost, you know, it had to always work and da, da 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 support multiple versions of Windows at a time. But we couldn't do things like if a new API appears in the .NET framework, System Web couldn't just call it directly. Right. Because we have this thing called patch families. Patch families. Mm-hmm. Which means because you have to be able to patch System Web separately to other parts of the .NET framework. Of course. Otherwise, your, your patches would always be enormous. Huge. Yeah. Right? And so Giga- gigabyte patch every gigabyte time. patches. So every we time. had these rules. So we had these rules, and so like System Web would have to detect: Am I on Windows Seven or am I on Windows Ten? Am I on .NET Framework four six five with this patch or blah, 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 blah. right? And then like late bind call into other methods in the framework. It's like JavaScript. It's I like guess. JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Poly- <laughs> so you like, like oh, .NET <laughs> Window jQuery. <laughs> oh, jQuery now. <laughs> but if you ever tried to do that in .NET, it is not as simple as it oh, is in no. JavaScript. No. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. make it fast and make it resilient to when changes happen. So that was challenging. Yeah, no kidding. So um, what is the relationship to .NET Core to Azure? When I build an Azure, when I put a, a website up on Azure, I know it's running on some magic sauce that I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it seems like um, the Azure team might be interested in using the, the, the core. So because it's running on disparate hardware and stuff, so I don't know if, what the relationship is. Yeah, I mean, is so the Azure, I mean, Azure's a big beast, right? And sure. Like, yeah. We went in the gallery yesterday, and you go like new, and then it's like, oh my god! Yeah. You want to <laughs> Do you want to machine learn today? <laughs> yeah. I want to machine learn. <laughs> but I'm specifically talking about Azure websites. You mean yeah. Azure? Okay, so oh, yeah. Azure websites run on IS. Um, and they have a sandboxing thing in there that allows them to run multiple apps on the same machine safely. And they uh, ultimately, you're always running on in IS. And so with ASP.NET Core, we use the module that we have, the ASP.NET Core module. Right. And that boots the process that runs your app, .NET.exe. Or if you're running on full framework, it just runs your app.exe because it's just a console app, right? So yep. it's nothing very magical there. Um, but it, so they, they really don't care. Like Azure just wants you to be able to run your app. And so they care enough that they've done work to ensure that .NET Core apps run, right? And they have special deployment scripts and all sort of stuff for it. But for running their own infrastructure, um, I haven't really heard anything specific. I've heard some stuff. You might have heard some stuff? They want to port to Core. What? For reasons. Why wouldn't they? Because the performance is is better. better Which bits they want to port to Core? They actually run their stuff on full. Like the portal itself? Not the portal, but the the things that run the the actual website's engine, the engine itself, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would hope to see. Yeah, because you've done so much work on. Uh, it would be good. I mean, like first-party partners are always nice, right? Yeah. Having internal Microsoft partners is. Oh, yeah. so you, you haven't got that call from the goo yet. No, <laughs> oh, well, it's always a part. We, yeah. we obviously try and support our Microsoft partners, sure. other teams, as much as we possibly can, obviously. Like, right? well, Bing, it, it, Bing is interested, right? Bing is super interested. They care about using right. ASP.NET Core. Well, and, and for us on the outside, every time we see another team use your yes. stuff yeah. we know your stuff gets better it's better right? yeah. dog fooding and all that yeah. sort of stuff right? WPF yeah. only became great yes. after Studio 2010 yes right mm. you yeah. guys kicked non blurry mode equals true yeah <laughs> but, it, that. It, but it was hard it was I mean, hard you talk about hard. one of the reasons Studio 10 you know going yeah, back to our time. earlier mention well so I was there I was, I was living that thing yeah I remember there was an email thread saying I got a headache because the, the editor the text was, was blurry. blurry wow yeah. and people turned it off and turn the old one on, and that was like a huge thing. 
Yeah, it was like the text it. isn't blurry enough, and it was like, oh my god, we have to go from scratch and rebuild this entire system, and that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like and amazing. Scott Goo did a blog post with a screenshot of it the, was amazing. the beta editor and the oh the, the Orcus editor, the Orcus, Visual yeah. Studio 2008 editor, mm. with the latest Visual Studio 2010 editor side by side, and said, I challenge you to find the difference mm. after we fixed all the bugs. Right. Mm. Uh, that, that was I always call time. it blurry mode equals false. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, put the flag. Yeah. Masked six, ye- six months of engineering work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of where IIS ends up in all of this. IIS remains term. like the, the premier web server, server for Windows. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? And as you said before, it's the Swiss Army knife of being able for to. For better do, or worse. For better or worse. Um, can, that can do anything. And yep, you know, yep. ARR is used in Azure, mm-hmm. application request routing, which mm-hmm. is an IS module. Um, it, runs, it can run Java, it runs Ruby, it can run Node, it can run ASP.NET Core, yeah. it can mm-hmm. run ASP Classic, run PHP. We didn't bring up containers. No, we didn't no, talk about like, containers at all. The reason people want that, of course, about it is containers. Containers are the new hotness. Yes. Sure. They're like, and oh I, my I God. I don't even know if it's rational at this point. It's not. It's just I'm like, totally so with you. there is a lot it's, of stuff. Of course, it's rational, yes. but it's like candy. But yeah, but containers feel like this solution to a problem, a group of problems you're having trouble with, mm. but it's not going to be the solution you expect. But it, enables, it enables so many things that it you is, can do it before. Is, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm super bullish on containers as well. When you consider in the environments that I worked in in the past where I had a, you know, I was a consultant, we'd set up a very complex project, you know, a couple of dozen people, and the, you'd use you know, dependencies. You'd have systems you had to install, SDKs, and blah, yep. blah, 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 blah mm. right? And then when you think about in a container model where that all just gets encapsulated yes. in an in image. So the class of issues describe, caused by yeah. the dev environment right. being different from production environment, yep. I think a containers address that extremely well. And VMs also addressed it, but they're just too slow. They're too big. Everybody was carrying around a Delosaurus. Exactly. And, so, and, you know, and remember the Azure Power Pack? Try and automate yeah, all that yeah. stuff, generating those things? Yeah. Or you could hit yourself with a hammer because it wouldn't <laughs> take as long. It didn't hurt as much. Right. <laughs> so is there something special about ASP.NET Core other than that it's smaller and faster, that it it's plays for, well for with the, containers? When it comes to containers? Um, no, not really. It's just it runs cross-platform. And you know, yeah. Windows didn't have containers until like last week. So right. well, and, and that's still... You know, TP5, right? Yep. I don't it's know when we actually... Right? I'm, I'm going to presume in the Ignite time frame Probably we have might a, see yeah. a, a, mm-hmm. a full version of Server 2016, but we've done these mm-hmm. shows yeah. and folks are projecting... Well, I think they've said uh, Server I 2016 see. will be separate from Nano. So Server 2016 yes. will release and Nano will stay in preview. But there's a difference between the Nano server, which would run a, in a oh, container, sure. oh, versus oh, totally. it is. the Windows host environment yeah, for containers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's huge. Yep. So, um, what do we say? I mean, I usually I ask at this point, what's next for you? But I know exactly what's next for you. You're going back to work and getting Ship into working RTM. on RTM. And then we're going to work on SignalR again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Cool. SignalR? Yes. What's not, what's not done about SignalR? It doesn't work on .NET Core. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh. so it works. Oh, yeah. That's the big thing that's going to happen. When, when oh. .NET Core and ASP.NET Core 1 yep. settle down, there's a lot of code to start working oh, on. Oh, yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. we're going to do that, and we're going to look at bringing back a whole bunch of other features in MVC and other parts of ASP.NET that we just haven't had time to do. We don't right. have response yeah. caching yet, so we're going uh, yeah. to go back and out of that middleware. Here you've oh, been right. shuffling around on the foundations. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. get to build a new house when you get Correct. the foundation oh, yeah. settled. Absolutely. I think right. one of your is diagnostics in the cloud. <sighs> yes. We want, we want to tackle that one hard. We want to so. solve that problem. Make yeah. it easier to run your app in Azure. Uh, you deploy, and, and it's like, wrong. boom. Right. What do you do? Right. Where do you look? Yeah, First well, time. Hockey App, App Insights, like that whole battle's pretty interesting, guys. Just mentioning, <laughs> got a couple of emails from some unhappy customers going, do you know what they just did to us? 
So, that wasn't you guys. Plead ignorance. So I have no yeah. idea. You don't know <laughs> anything. We bought some companies or something. Yeah. I heard maybe. Talking about. Yeah, we'll do some more shows around hockey, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the reality is, and I guess around the time we're putting this show out, pretty much, mm. they're turning off app insights. You've got to use hockey app, and the feature sets don't match. Mm. It's not a clean Venn diagram. Oh, well. Not your space. Now, you guys aren't Azure guys. You're web guys. Different show. Well, Sorry. Azure's Didn't web. bring it up. <laughs> so, part of it. So, guys, thank you. This has been a great conversation, and congratulations. It's really awesome. It's been a ton of fun thank and a you. bit of pain. It's been crazy. That's crazy how fun. software should be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> ups and downs. Ups. More ups. You, can't, no, no, you, ups. you don't know why the ups are so good if they yeah. don't have a few downs here and there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got